2004, just two years ago, Peyton Manning broke a 20-year-old record that uh, Dan Marino held for a number of years. I think you guys, uh, most of you that are Colts or non-Colts fans, remember that uh, 49 throwing touchdowns that season. I was taken with one particular interview that I saw uh, of Peyton during that, that period of time. And uh, it was where he talked about his written goals for the year 2004-2005. The four goals that I remember was that he wanted to have no more than 10 interceptions, over 4,000 yards passing. Uh, he also wanted to have over 30 touchdowns and as well as a quarterback rating of 120 or greater. He had written goals for success. He reviewed them on a regular basis. At the end of that year, 2004 regular season, Peyton had thrown exactly 10 interceptions. He had 4,556 passing yards, 49 touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 121.1. No matter how you feel about Peyton Manning, especially the terror that he puts all of us through when he starts calling audibles, just gets me on edge. But he's consistently been able to show us that his preparation is legendary and his strategy for personal improvement is unique. And it's admired by all of us, whether you're a football fan or not. You know, that's not so astounding because long before Peyton Manning laced up his shoes or before football was invented, Jesus Christ had one clear drive and a fourfold plan, a strategy to make it happen. And the amazing thing is that he left it on the bottom shelf for you and I so that we could participate in it. A lot of times when it comes to, the, to talking about God, we think, boy, that's so far above me. It's, it's so far above me, I can't reach it. Well, the genius of God is that He sent His Son, Jesus, and put it on the bottom shelf for all of us. You see, Jesus became like us so that we could become like Him. Jesus became like us so that we could become like Him. So for us to encounter Jesus, God's Son, is to begin to understand why He left heaven, why He would live on this earth, take on human flesh, why would God in the flesh grow as you and I grow in human flesh? doesn't make sense to us. But we're thankful because it puts us out there so we can grasp it. Well, the passage that we're going to look at today is the one that you have there on your sheet. And it's in Luke chapter 2. It's the only passage where we encounter Jesus in between Him as a toddler and Him at age 30. It is the only uh, explanation of anything about the life of Christ in between that, and it catches Him at the age of 12. So that's the only snapshot that we see. And I want us to look at that passage, and if you have it right in front of me, I'm going to begin a couple verses before that. It's in Luke chapter 2. And I lost my place here. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to start reading there in verse 39. And when they had performed everything in relationship to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and in the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he became twelve, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. 
And as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. But supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. I want us to notice just two things about this passage. And that is, first of all, the phrase that Jesus talks about in the midst of all of that where He says, didn't you know I had to be in my Father's house? And I want us to note, first of all, what is it to be like Jesus in how He's driven? What if you and I were driven like Jesus was driven? What impact would that have on our lives to be driven like Jesus? Now, I know about my life, and at 12 years old, I was driven by some things. My folks didn't understand me, and being about my father's concerns was not one of my concerns. I don't know about you guys, but at 12 years old, I didn't do that. In other words, in fact, if you didn't believe in the perfection of Jesus before, if you've ever seen a 12-year-old or been a 12-year-old, you would know that this is remarkable. This 12-year-old, Jesus, was totally focused on one thing. Being in His Father's house. Now what did the Father's house represent? You see, the Father's house, the temple, the the temple that was previously the tabernacle in the Old Testament, but became the temple in Jerusalem, was the center of all Jewish life. And what it signifies was, not that God was there only, But it represented that God was the focus, the total concern of the culture. Now what Jesus was telling them was to His parents, now look, mom and dad, my earthly parents, don't miss this about my life. I'm driven by just one thing. I'm all about my father, my father's concerns. That's just the one thing that that I'm all about. Now for us, you and I, we get mired in our concerns, our business, don't we? In fact, there's one translation that says, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? But we're all about our business, aren't we? I mean, you think about it for just a second. In the morning, very first thing, if you have a pet, you open the door and say, hey, go out and do your business. Then you go from there. You you get the paper, you get a cup of coffee, you sit down, and then you tend to your own business, right? Then you take care of some personal business to prepare for the day. You wash up or whatever you're going to do and your family starts getting up and then you're tended to some family business. If you've got kids at home still, you're getting them some cereal or whatever else or you're talking with your wife or laying out the plans for the day. And then you head off to work to do the boss's business. Oh, you're all focused on that and you might at midday come along and do some community business, have a luncheon with some people or, or you might have some church business that you 
need to do later in the afternoon, and, and you, so you take care of some things like that. And then you get the kids to bed again, you're back to some family business in the evening, and trying to make sure all that happens, and then you catch up a little bit, maybe take a little bit of personal time, see Sports Center or whatever your thing is, the Weather Channel and Stock Page or whatever, and take a few minutes for yourself, and then you roll into bed and you're dead tired and you roll over next to your wife and you're hoping for some monkey business. All of that to say that we're all about our focus and our attention. And if we don't get to the place in our lives where we understand what Jesus' driving passion was, we'll never get to the place where we really can grow like Jesus grew. You see... Growing like Jesus begins with a commitment to do the Father's business above all else. And until we begin with that commitment, until we begin with a clear understanding that, listen, to be like Jesus, to be conformed to who He is, I've got to clarify that I just have one driving sense of business in my life. Now, we're going to do all those other things, but ultimately, they are not the motivation. There's just one motivation to be about the father's business so my family and my work and my community and my church and my spouse all of those pale in comparison it doesn't mean that they're not important but when we begin to settle them down in terms of achieving areas in those particular areas of growth they have to become subservient to just one thing the father's will You see, you guys already know that you've achieved enough in life in those different areas that I just named. All of you guys. You've achieved enough in life to know that just a little bit more in each one is never enough. But when you get our focus, when we get our focus on just Christ alone as the center, then we begin to do things differently. And that's when we begin to have a balance, a true balance that God wants for us. And that's that last verse, Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The first thing is we've got to be driven like Jesus was driven. And the second thing is you've got to grow like Jesus grew. Grow like Jesus grew. How did He do it? Well, in those four quadrants, those four areas, wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. Wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. Let me just touch on them briefly. First of all, wisdom has to do with everything that's material in your life. In other words, if it's going to perish, it has to do with wisdom. You need wisdom. The whole book of Proverbs is all about wisdom, handling the stuff of life. And if you were to boil it down into three areas, wisdom can be really summarized in how you use your time, how you use your money, and what your driving priorities are. Time, money, and priorities. Now interestingly, Jesus had a lot to say about all of those things. Number one, about money, He said He talked more about money in the New Testament as we studied last year than He did heaven or hell to combined. Jesus had a lot to say about money. The reason is where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also, Jesus said. Money is a a medium, a barometer that measures the, the attitudes of our heart. It's not about the money. It's about my attitude about the money. Secondly, time. Jesus said, work for the night is coming when no man can work. We have a limited frame of time. And from the Old Testament all the way through, we all must be called to redeem the time because the days are evil. We only have so much. 
And the third thing then is priorities. In other words, the priorities of all of these things together. How am I going to balance those things? You see, Jesus was a dirt-in-your-hands kind of leader. He was there living out the same things that you and I work through, working, not being wasteful of time, money, or the energy that I'm given, but all with that driving sense of just one thing. Father, I just want to be pleasing to You. So wisdom is to live all of life with that in mind. So then how I spend my time or how I spend my money or how I organize my priorities is not a battle battle in my heart. It's already decided. The question is, how do I do it with wisdom? How do I make the right and the best choice, not just the good choice? Secondly, there's the physical part of it. Jesus increased in stature. Now for most of us, we're growing in stature the wrong way. We have the battle, you know, we're fighting the battle right here trying to maintain a certain level of health and with all the pressures that are there about us. But you know, the doctors will tell you that the vast majority of today's illnesses are because of a lack of moderation, wisdom in handling our physical bodies. In fact, so many teachings in the Bible that are ignored are so much related to the problems that we have. Stress. There's stress-induced belly pain. There's stress-induced blood pressure issues. Stress is a funny word for worry. And the Bible is clear on how we handle worry. Now, you can you know, sign up for yoga classes all you want, but ultimately, if you don't handle it in a biblical way in your mind, it's going to create stress and blood pressure problems. Now, I understand, guys. There's some guys who have some genetic makeup that is. But I'm talking about the kind of things that we can control. Also, smoke-induced cancer, a host of alcohol-related problems. We have drug pain, head pain, blood pressure problems, diabetes, much related to our eating. And while weight may not be a factor in all of life's addictions, we have addictions to caffeine and various other stimulants that leads to headaches and every other thing. Now the point of all of that is what? What's the purpose of this body? To squeeze it for all it's worth for what purpose? Just one thing. I have to be driven. You have to be driven to maximize and use this body as long as it lasts to be pleasing to the Father to be about His business. In 1877, Benjamin Disraeli said this, a great statesman, It is quite possible for a kingdom to be inhabited by an able and active population. You may have successful manufacturers and you may have a productive agriculture. The arts may flourish. Architecture may cover your land with temples and palaces. You may have even material powers to defend and support all those acquisitions. You may have arms of precision, fleets of warships, but if the population of the country is stationary or yearly diminishing, if while it diminishes, it slumbers, and it diminishes also in stature, in strength, the country is doomed. The health of the people is, in my opinion, the first duty of a statesman. Talk to any insurance man in here who deals with health care issues, and he'll tell you that the number one issue facing health care in this culture is Consumer-driven health care. The reason is because we're a culture in decline physically. Now, how does that relate to spirituality? Whose body do you have? Your body or God's body? Well, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it ought to be saying, you know what? The purpose of this body is to be used for one thing. Be pleasing to the Father. It ought to drive the way we eat. It ought to drive the way we drink. It ought to drive everything about us. It's very practical. If it was good enough for Jesus to grow in stature and in good health so that He could die at 33 
and endure what He endured, then it's good enough for me to care for my physical health. And it's good enough for you. The third thing, spiritually. Well guys, this whole huddle is all about spiritually. And I'm not going to spend much time on that because it's always talking about our growth. Spiritually, what is my plan to grow spiritually? What level am I at, am I at currently? And what's it going to take me to... What's it going to take to take me to the next level? You see, spiritual growth is not religious effort. We can't miss that, guys. It's not that it, about our church involvement. It's about our God involvement. And they're not always the same. We've got to get focused on what God says is important. Nothing wrong with church. But even in that, we can become religious and not spiritual. God's after spiritual development, not religious development. And lastly, relationally. We've talked so much about this need in, in our lives to have Christian experiences that show up in how we treat one another. That's our spouse and our kids, our family and our friends, our business associates, and even our enemies. Jesus covered it all. And it ought to affect the way we live our lives. And if it's not, then I've got something out of whack relationally. And something out of whack relationally at this level automatically means that I've got something out of whack relationally with God. God says you can't love me properly if you're not effectively working it out here. So when I know i got problems here, whether it's with my wife or my kids or my business workers or my friends outside of that, then I automatically know I've got something relationally out of balance with God. And if I don't get it right here, I certainly will not get it right here. All of these things to help us to remember that to encounter Jesus Christ is simply to know God. That's it. Our desire to call each of us to encounter Jesus is this one thing. We want every man who comes here to have a living and a vital relationship with Jesus Christ through faith in Him because you've exchanged your sin for His righteousness. And in that great exchange, you've had opportunity to lay a foundation for your life that gives you the chance to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You see, without Jesus Christ, guys, can you do that? No. You can't. No amount of human effort will enable you to grow in the ways that Jesus grew unless Jesus is in it unless Jesus is in it. This closing quote, one man said it like this, if you don't want to be a spiritual adventurer, you never will. But if you sear into your brain and heart and a soul hunger for the best of life, a craving to grow, a cause for your crusade, then you have already advanced. Being here today, guys, you've already advanced. You're going to turn around and have a conversation with one another. It's part of your advancement. It's part of your growth. For right now, the next 15 minutes, the next 20 minutes, let's give it all we got. We don't have time to waste. We don't have a moment to lose. Time is of the essence. And we just have one person to please. The Father. Today. When you go back to your workplaces, when you go back to your homes, when you go back to your families, what's going to be your pursuit? All your concerns and all your business? 
or just the Father's business? Just one thing. Our Father, we thank You that You do give us an outline and You give us a pattern in the person of Jesus Christ. And God, You've taught us so much through the power of Your Word. I pray for the man here today who, who's been coming and he's been listening, but Lord has never taken the time to, to step over the line with You. To commit himself wholeheartedly to receive You as Savior and Lord. God, maybe today that might be the day for that guy. And for each of us, Lord, who maybe have already crossed that line, but yet, Lord, we still know we need to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Lord, help us to show you show us, even now through our brothers, areas that we need to change and develop and maybe walk out of here with maybe one thing or two things in an area of growth and development that we need to take it to the next level. Lord, we want to encounter you. The time is short. And we need You to step in. We're here waiting on You, God. Do a work that only You can do. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the righteous Savior, we pray as a group and say, Amen.